Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, we're in this series. Um, we've called it Relationships Without Regrets because um, I don't know about y'all, but I have regrets and I've had them in my relationships. Anybody else ever dealt with regrets and mainly in our relationships? But um, we're talking about how we can live without regrets. And so last week we, we talked about that in, in kind of a little more detail of what it means to have regrets and what it does. Like when we have regrets, it never just stays that way. It always turns into something more, into guilt and shame. And it's a, a burden. It weighs us down. It chains us up. If only I wouldn't have done that. If only I would have done this. If I hadn't have gone there. And some people spend their whole lives stuck in that place of if only. But Jesus came so that we wouldn't be stuck in if only, but instead we would be we would live as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in freedom. That's what Christ came to do for us. And so we talked about that process and what it looks like to begin to not live under the weight of regret, right? Because we, uh, you know, and it's not saying that things from my past are never there. Like we're always going to have those, like we remember what happened in our past, right? But I just don't have to carry the weight of it into today and tomorrow, right? God can actually take and turn that thing and use it to minister to somebody else. So that was last week. Next week is going to be my favorite week of this series. And I know it hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to be the best week. And so I just encourage you, bring somebody with you next week. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. Today, what I want to talk about is a, is a, a new direction, is, is a fresh start. So that's what I'm calling this message, is a new direction. And um, so we're going to talk about that and, and get a little practical, if we could, in that we kind of learned about regrets. We, we began kind of that process of letting go of some things, of, of moving past regrets. So how do we then practically move forward, in re- mainly in relationships, but in life, like living without the regrets, living in, in, in a way where regret isn't constantly like, oh, man, I wish this. Like, so we're going to look at some practical filters today of how to do that and set a new direction. Sound good? So by a show of hands, tell me how many of you have like a dream destination, a place you want to go to? I do. I have a few of my dream destination places. And for me, one of those places um, is going uh, touring Scotland and being over there and climbing on the Murrows and going down into England and seeing London. But mainly for me is being up in Scotland, seeing all the castles and all that kind of stuff. I have a lot of uh, Scottish heritage in my family, and so I've always wanted to go there climb around in the highlands and all that kind of stuff and yell words from Braveheart and whatever else. (laughs) That's right. Um, So for me, that's one of my dream destinations. But how many of you know, like, it's intentions to go to a place don't actually get you there. Like having the intention or even the desire to go to a place won't get you there. I can want to go to Scotland all day long, but if I don't begin to do some things, I'll actually never get there, Right. Right? So we have to begin to make some plans, right? Heather and I are doing that right now. We're, we're making some plans. We're saving some money you know, to make that trip here in the future. And so we've got to make some plans. We've got to get a passport. We've got to save money. We've got to buy some plane tickets and have a place to stay and transportation and food to eat and all that kind of stuff. We've got to make some plans. We've got to make sure that the house is taken care of here. If you have pets, you've got to make sure your pets are taken care of. All that kind of stuff, right? I've got to have some plans. I've got to put some things into motion if I want to actually get there. And then the other side of getting to a destination is actually like going on the trip, right? 
And if you've ever been on a trip, you know that when you're on a trip, there's like a hundred things that would cause you not to make it to the destination. And right? if you're flying and you get to the airport and you realize how long you have to wait in line, some, like that, that could be a deterrent for some people. You have to wait in line, right? You have to go through security. You have to wait to get on your plane. And then you have to taxi and take off and then, you know, then fly to the place. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just be like, I want to go to this place and you close your eyes and then you, when you open your eyes, you're there. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? But Star Trek is fake, y'all, so it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, it would be great, but it doesn't happen that way. We've got to get on the journey. And if you, maybe you like to take road trips, you've got to stop and get gas. Or maybe you rent a car or whatever that is. There's just things along the journey. You've got to go through the process of getting to the place before you actually arrive at that destination. And I think our, our walk with God is the same way. Like sometimes... You know, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but where you're like, okay, God, just make me spiritual, make me complete. Just, just do what you need to do right now, and we'll be ready. Then we'll be done, right? Wouldn't that be great? And then you lift your hand, you sing your song, and then you walk out, and you're extra spiritual. You're floating on clouds, and you're like, this is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't happen that way, does it? Right? We're in church. We're singing songs. We're lifting our hands, and then we get in the cars, and the kids are, what's for lunch? I don't know! Right? Oh, everybody laughing hard just because it happened last week. It's all good. You're in the right place. Just, it, just, it would be nice, but Jesus doesn't do it that way. He left us here in the struggle with the frustrations so that we would be on the journey with him, so that we would be taking steps with him because that's the place that God wants us to be. It's called, it's called the life of faith, the journey of faith. It's, uh, scripture refers to it as the good fight of faith. Right, if you think about that for a moment, if when you're in a fight, there's an opponent. Sometimes we freak out because we think that because there's an opponent, there's something wrong. Like, God, where are you? I'm facing this battle. Like, no, that's the whole point of a fight, is that you fight the opponent and then you win, right? Okay, that's a freebie. That's not even part of the notes. <laughs> but if we're going to get on the destination, we've got to do some things differently. We can't always just do the same things we've done and expect to get to that place. If we just, if I just work, come to the office every day and, and work every day and get stuff ready for the church and I never did anything to make plans or preparations for that trip, guess what? I'll never end up in Scotland. I've got to do some things. I've got to set out on the journey. I've got to do some things. And it's the same thing with God. Sometimes if we want to get closer to him, we've got to do some things differently than we've done. The definition of insanity, I've heard it before, is keep, if you want different results, but keep doing the same thing. That's crazy because you'll keep getting the same results you've been doing. So we do the same thing with God sometimes. We're like, God, I want to be so close to you. I want to know you more. But then we never pick up the Bible. We never get down and serve somebody. We never do anything differently. We just keep doing things the same way we've done them and expecting God to do something different. So we've got to get on a, a new direction. That's why I'm calling it a new direction. We need a, a fresh start sometimes. Like, God, I've been going this way, but man, I want more of you, so I'm going this way. God, like, we need to set a new direction if we want to get to a different destination. It's the same in our relationships, right? So sometimes we get in a relationship and we, we keep experiencing the same problems. We keep experiencing the same frustrations, the same frictions, because we keep doing the same things. And all the while we're praying, God, would you just help my marriage? Would you do these things? But we keep doing the same things. Like We've got to set a new destination. We need a fresh start on some things so that we get to a different place. right? Because if we just keep doing the same thing, we're going to keep heading that same direction. 
So we've got to turn the wheel of that car and go a different direction, take a different exit, right? So we can have a fresh start, right? So what do we do? Well, one of the things that we need to do is just figure out what that destination is. Sometimes we get in a relationship and we just get heads down. Or for all my single people that are here in the house today, come on, single people, what, what? All right, a few of you. I know there's more of you than that. That's all right. I'm trying to hook you up with some other single people. Make yourself known in the house. (laughs) I see one right back there. Come on. You know, sometimes as single people, we've got to get a picture of the person we want to end up with. Because if we don't have that picture of who God has for us and that person that we can find, then what happens? Then we end up just dating around till we find somebody and then we end up in a relationship that's no good for us. And we wonder how we got there. We need to figure out what is the picture that we want for where we want to be and then work towards that, right? So in my life, before I met my wife, Heather, you know, I made, I just started writing a list of everything that I wanted in my wife. Just, and listen, I would encourage each of us to do that. Single people, make a list of that person you want to marry someday. Married people, make a list of what that you want your marriage to be, what you want your family to be. And if you're already married, don't write down a different hair color because it's too late, baby. You in this thing. You are in this thing. So married people, we should sit down together, husband and wife, and dream together. Some of us forgot how to dream. We forgot how to lift up our eyes and look to the horizon and begin to see with faith what God has for us and what he can do for us. We forgot how to have some boldness in our dreams and in our prayers. Like It's, time, it's, it, it's the, the time for praying these mamsy-pamsy prayers. God, help me make it through today. And just Listen, those days are past. Like Let's begin to pray some big prayers. Right? Let's begin to pray that God would use our family, not just here, but around the world. God, would you raise up my children to have a heart for this world, to have a heart for people who, who, who need you and who are broken. Right? Let's, let's begin to pray some bold prayers. God, use me. God, send me. Maybe you've never been interested in missions before. I'm telling you what, you want to pray some bold prayers? God, send me where you want to go. He's going he's gonna to shock you. <laughs> We just need to begin to dream again. And I'm here to tell you, it's time. It's time to begin to dream again. What, what is the picture that we have for our relationships? What is the destination we want our families to end up at? Because if, if we don't know where we're going, we'll just end up somewhere. If we want to end up somewhere specific, it has to happen on purpose. It's not going to happen on accident. If you want to marry a godly person, someone who's going who's to push you to be more godly and who's going to lead your family well, it's not going to happen on accident. It's only going to happen on purpose. So make a list and be specific and begin to pray over it. I know Heather, she did the same thing. And she, one of the things she wrote specifically was, you know, I want to marry somebody who, who plays a red guitar. The, one of the first times she saw me, I was in the worship band and I play the guitar. Guess what color it is? It's red, baby. I'm just telling you, be specific, right? Because when we have that, Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2 says, write down the vision, make it plain so that those that see it can run with it, right? So write down your vision, write down the dreams so that when a counterfeit comes your way, you don't fall for it. When somebody who comes along and doesn't meet any of your requirements for your spouse comes along and they want to date you, guess what? Hit the road, Jack, because you ain't what I'm looking for. Amen. I'm just saying. We got we to have that dream destination of where we want to go so that we get there, right? So we get to that place. So 
Last week, we talked about the if-onlys, right? If only I hadn't done this. If only I had done this. If-onlys are one thing. Today, I want to, let's talk about the what-ifs, because there's another side to that. There's the if-onlys, but there's the what-ifs, right? What if God healed my relationships? Woo, that's a destination right there. And if that's your destination today, that's okay. There's no shame in that. Like, that's a good place to be. What if God healed my relationships? And God is in the restoration business. In fact, it's his specialty. It's his specialty, his restoration of bringing dead things to life. It's what he does. It's what he loves to do. Let me show you in Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3. This is um, from the message paraphrase. It's called the message paraphrase. It's not a translation. Um, It's a paraphrase, so it's just meant to help us uh, gain some understanding, to understand the Scripture in a different way. Message paraphrase is great. I love to read it sometimes. It says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. Now, we could stop right there. We could have a little praise party, right? Because it says, it doesn't say he might restore. It says that he will restore everything. That's everything. So he will restore everything that we lost. He will have compassion on us. He will come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where we were scattered no matter how far away you ended up. Come on, son. that's a good place to praise the Lord. We can give him some praise in the house. Thank you, Lord, that you pick up our broken pieces. Even when we feel scattered, some, some of us have felt our lives that way, like my life is just a mess. Everything's all over the place. This is the word of the Lord for you today, that God will pick up the pieces. He will restore those broken places. Come on, somebody. That's what he loves to do. He specializes in that. So what if God restored my healed my relationships? What if God showed us our purpose together? Woo! Come on, somebody. Now we're putting the wheels to the road, baby. What if God showed us our purpose together? Did you know that God has purpose in your marriage? God has purpose for your family. Just like God has purpose for us individually, God has purpose when two people come together and become one before him, right? God has purpose for that marriage, right? And it's not just to find the American dream. That's great. It's not just to have kids, and that's great. It's not just great. You know, God has divine purpose, supernatural purpose in our marriage. So what if God began to show you that? That's good. Let me show you what Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace, that's, that's good to know. He's the God of peace. If you need peace, he's what you need. It says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the the great shepherd of the sheep. So he's just recounting the process of salvation for us, right? And then he shows us the key part. So the God of peace, he brought Christ back from the dead. What is he going to do? He says, he will equip you with every good thing for doing his will. So he's equipping us to do his will, to do his purposes. So we could assume that if he's equipping us, giving us everything that we need to do his will, then we'll know his will. Otherwise, why would he need to equip us? Right? So we will know his will. So God's not trying to hide it from us. He doesn't want us to be wandering around trying to, God, what? I guess you want me to just figure it out. No, God is going to reveal his will to us. And truthfully, if you want to know his will, it's in his word. His will is his word. So if you want to know God's will... Get in his word. That's where his will is, right? So he's going to give us everything we need to do his will in our lives. It's good, right? And he goes on, he says, And he may work in us to do what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's the last one. What if God used us to make a difference, right? What if God used our lives? What if God used my brokenness? What if God used my past? What if God used my pain? Can God use my pain? Yep. 
What if God used all the things I've been through to make a difference in the life of somebody else? That's what we're called to do. That's what we are called to do is make a difference in the life of somebody else. So what if God could use my life? God can use, his, use our lives, but we've got to surrender to him. We've got to yield our will to his so that he can do some things in us to bring those if-onlys to the what-ifs, right? To bring us out of the regrets. So what if? So we're setting a new destination, a new direction that we want to go. We're, we're leaving the if-onlys behind. We're moving forward into the what-ifs. We're beginning to allow God to give us dreams again. You know, Scripture says that God will give us dreams and visions, right? Come on, somebody. That's a good place. So we're, we're setting a new direction. So if we want to do this, how are we going to do it, right? We're going to need a fresh start. We're going to need a new direction. And I know somebody right now is, don't, don't be looking at your spouse and be like, Pastor said I need something new, so you out of here. No, no, that ain't, <laughs> that ain't what I'm saying. That ain't what I'm saying. We need a new attitude. We need a right spirit within us, right? David prayed. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit, right? We need patience where there's been impatience, right? We need long-suffering where there's been none, right? We need joy where there's been sorrow, right? We need harmony where there's been disunity, right? We need a new direction, right? The good news is that we're not in this thing alone. There's help. There's help. Revelation chapter 20, verse 5 so at the very, very end of the book, says, He who sits on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So here at the very end of the book, there's a vision that John is having uh, you know, of the end times. After everything has happened and everything is over, Jesus is speaking. He said, I'm making everything new. So we can just take that into our context because this is a prophetic book by nature. So he's saying, I'm making everything new. So we might be in the middle of something and God is making it new. We might be in the middle of pain. We might be in the middle of a mess. We might be in the middle of God, where are you? And he's saying, don't worry about it. I'm making everything new. Right? Some of us need to get those words on our lips this week. God, I thank you. You're making everything new. I know it doesn't look like it. Just because we begin to speak out doesn't mean that everything changes instantly. Right? But we got to begin to get it on our lips. I know, I know it looks like, man, my, my kids aren't, what are they doing? What are they thinking right now? But get it on your lips. God, I thank you. You're making my kids new. You're making everything new. I know it doesn't look like your marriage is new. I know it looks like it's a ruin and it's fallen apart and it's too far gone. But I'm telling you today, Jesus is saying, I'm making everything new. I'm making everything new. So if we're going to live in relationships without regrets, if we're going to allow this God to bring this new direction and set this new course, we need to, to do a few things, right? There's a few things we need to take on this journey. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down today. Number one is this, is we need to set a God-first priority. We need to set a God-first priority. Right? What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. When I was uh, younger, growing up, I wanted to be in the Olympics. I was going to be in track and field. I was going to go win that gold medal. USA, come on, America. You know, I was going to do it. And so I spent the better part of my young life, uh, you know, training that way and, and all throughout high school training uh, to make that happen. And, you know, when, the interesting thing about the Olympics is that when you get to the end of the race and they're awarding the medals, right, what do you have? They have a podium there, and there's a spot in the middle where the winner stands, and there's spots on the side where other people who didn't win stand, right? right second place is over here, and third place is over here. But the person who wins gets to stand up the tallest in the middle, right? And everyone gets to hear their anthem. Nobody, nobody remembers the people on the other side, right? Just the guy in the middle. 
And it's so interesting. In our own lives, we have the same podium in our lives with different things in those different places. And if we're going to set a God first priority, what that means is I've got to clear off whatever is on that top spot so that God can be there. Because there can only be one. So if I'm going to set a God first priority, what that sounds like when I get up in the morning and say, God, what do you have for me today? God, where do you want me to go today? What would you have me to give today, God? Who would you have me to encourage today, God? God, oh, you don't want me to be involved in that? Okay, I won't be involved in that. You don't want me to be, be dating that person? No worries, because you're the first, even over my own interests, even over my own will. Like, he's first. You've got to set a God first priority, right? Matthew chapter 22 Verse 36, Jesus is there speaking to the people, and this religious person came up to him and began to try to, it says they began to test him, to try to trap him, and they asked him this question. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We've all heard that before. What Jesus is saying, he said, hey, put God in that first place. Set a God first priority, right? So that in our, every one of our relationships, God is first, right? So that's why when we talk about marriage at Victory, we say, God is my one, my spouse is my two, two right? Because God is first, everything flows after that. So if we're married, God is one, my spouse is my two, then my kids, you know, then everything else, right? So we're, we're setting God first over these things. Then he goes on, watch what happens. I love this, because I think so often we've just read over the context of what Jesus is saying. So God is first, right? We love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, right? He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting to think that, you know, God is a God of order. So when he says things, he says things in specific orders as if they can't be happen out of order. Jesus is saying, hey, first you need to love the Lord your God. And once you do that, then you can love your neighbor as yourself. But if you don't, if he's not first in your life and you don't love him with all your heart, your soul and your mind, then it's going to be real hard for you to love your neighbor. Right. Isn't it interesting? We look around our world full of people who, who don't love their neighbor as ourselves. Even sometimes ourselves, we feel that way, don't we? Right. It's, I wonder so often if it's because we haven't put God in that first place. We've tried to push something else up there with him. And then it becomes a challenge to be, yeah, I can't love my spouse right now. They're making me so upset. Like they're, they're irritating me. Well, like that's a, that's a flag for us. That's like, uh-oh, that's an indicator something's wrong. Like when that check engine light comes on on your car. That's an indicator something ain't working right. When I can't love my neighbor as myself, it's an indicator something's not right. More times than not, it's because we've put something else in this place where God is meant to be. We've got to set a God first priority in our lives. So how do we do that? It's, it's good to talk about that, but I want to talk about some practical filters today, like some practical ways, like a filter, what we see, it brings something through and we can get clarity, right? So I want to talk about some practical filters. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's harder than it sounds, isn't it? He goes on to unpack this idea for us a little bit. But rather, in humility, here's the key phrase, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. So the question is, when was the last time we valued somebody more than we value ourselves? It's quiet today. It's good. That's good. Right? Value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Imagine what the church would be like, the power that the church would walk in if we begin to value each other, if we begin to value the lost more than we value ourselves. 
Come on, that's, that's what will bring a spirit of revival. It's a practical filter. We're valuing others above ourselves, right? Sometimes I think in this whole idea, um, it, it's a common phrase like, I need to have balance. I'm trying to find balance of everything. Anybody else heard that? It's been pushed on us. And, like, and as I thought about that whole idea, I'm supposed to have balance between everything. Listen, balance infers that everything is equally weighted as to keep that thing from tipping one way or the other, Right? But God is not as concerned about that because he's a God of priority. He's not as concerned about is everything in our life completely equal because it's not meant to be. He's meant to be the most important and everything else can flow thereafter. So priority outweighs balance. Right? All right, here's the second one. If we're going to live in relationships without regrets, we're going to set a God first priority. Number two, we need to invest in relationships. I know it's obvious. Like, thank you. I'm glad I came to church today. I need to invest in people. But I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard it. Like, when we were dating, you were so, you know, you did everything. And then we got married and everything stopped. <laughs> and I, I believe, maybe you believe differently, but I believe that most of the times that happens, it's not because the one person was like, well, now I just don't want to do anything. It's just because it's just naturally life just kind of creeps in and just it's just this natural progression where for whatever reason, we slowly stop investing the way we used to. I I don't believe it's ever maliciously. Maybe sometimes it is, but I think more times than not, it's just a a slow thing that we just gradually stop investing in relationships. And we have to realize if we're going to have relationships without regrets, it's going to require an investment, investing ourselves into others. When you think about what an investing is, right, it's investing is taking something that I have of value, giving it to someone else to steward in such a way that I get an increased return. Right? Think about your money. When we take money and we invest it in like an investment firm or something like that, we put it in a market somewhere, we give it to somebody else, they actually invest it into the market, right? They're stewarding our money and we're hoping that we get money, make money back, right? That's what investing is. It's the same thing in our relationships, right? Because we're not thinking of ourselves first. We're valuing the other person ahead of ourselves. So I'm investing the valuable parts of me, my time, my energy, my love, my thoughts into somebody else, right? I'm investing myself. We've got to begin to invest in ourselves that way. So what are some practical filters of how we know that we're investing in relationships? One is to be intentional. It's to be intentional right some of us our personalities are naturally this way like we just are naturally like intentional like everything is purposeful and everything happens for a reason if you're a little bit like me and your personality is not that way and you've got to work extra hard at being intentional you in good company baby like we (laughs) we're in this thing together right and there's not one right way and one wrong way. It's just different. We're all made differently. Some of us, our personalities are just that way. Like, we want to be intentional, but we just, like, just don't always think that way because I'm, I'm, I'm working on other things. I'm doing other things. So I've got to work extra hard to be extra intentional in my relationships. Why? Because I'm investing into that relationship. We've got to be intentional, right? It's okay if, if you're not that way, but we're, we're learning and growing, right? It's the same way, like, uh, I'm a task-orientated person. That means when I walk into a room, I look around and I see the 10 things I have to get done. Some people in this room, the rest of us, are people-orientated. That means we walk into the room. Who cares what has to get done? Who's here? Who can I talk to, right? And again, one is not right or wrong. They're just different. But what we have to be careful of is that in that, that we get to the place where we say, like, this is just how I am, so you just have to deal with it. No, baby, we're growing. 
we're people who are growing. If we ever get to that place where, like, this is just who I am and you have to deal with it, that means we ain't growing and you go in the other direction. So we're in a place where we're growing, we're learning. So that means that every conversation that I'm in, like, my natural thought is, let's get, to the, get me to the bottom line. What do I need to know? Because <laughs> I need to move on to the next task. That's how I'm naturally doing. So in every conversation, I've got to be intentionally focusing on that person. Like, okay, how can, I, how can I listen better? How can I be intentionally adding value? What can I do to invest into this person? Like, it takes work, and that's okay, because we haven't arrived. None of us have arrived. Even if you're that super ultra, you know, intentional relationship bomb type person, and just everything is like, boom, intentionality. Like, you've got to work on the other way because, you know, you miss out on the things that have to get done. Right, so like we're, we're learning and growing from each other, but we've got to learn to be intentional. It's good. I'm preaching about 67% better today than y'all are. Amen. <laughs> we've got to invest into each other, right? Because it's spending time together that makes all the difference, right? That's my next one. We've got to put time into it. We've got to put time into it, right? We all have time. It's that one uh, non-renewable resource that we all have the same amount of, Right? And sometimes people are like, Pastor, I just don't got time to, whatever. I don't got time to serve. I don't got time to do this. We just don't have time for a date night. We just don't have time for this. Listen, we have time for what we make time for. It's just the truth. It's not to be harsh or, you know, put anything on a pedestal. But listen, we have time for what we make time for. So maybe we just need to stop making time for some things that aren't that important and start making more time for the things that are really important. So if God is really the number one, then he should have the most of my time. If my spouse is really my number two, she should have the next amount of my time. Right? We just need to spend some time together. And isn't that why we got in relationship anyway, to be together? So then why would I want to go spend my time all somewhere else doing other things? Like we got to make time for each other, right? No guilt or pressure. I just, sometimes we just need to sit together. Remember when you used to go to the movies and hold hands? And you don't even know what the movie was. You're just together. Sometimes we just need to sit on the couch and hold hands. We need to just be together. Here's another practical filter for investing in people is we need to stick with it. We need to stick with it because it's not always going to be smooth sailing. We've got to be people who have some stick with itness, right? So, like we just need like a little thicker skin so that every time something happens, we don't fall apart. Every time somebody says something that we didn't like, we don't get offended. Or we got to stick with it. Right? Because tough times are going to come, but they don't last, but tough people will last. So we're going to have to have some toughness in our relationships, some willingness to fight through some things, right? Like, I just don't understand why my kids are doing this thing. Like, it's easy to bail, right? It's easy to just be like, well, I washed my hands of them. They're going to, no, listen, we're going to stick with it. I'm going to continue to invest in them. I'm going to continue to be intentional. Same thing in our marriages, right? I know it gets rough sometimes. Well, listen, we don't just fall out of love. Love is a choice. So we need to choose to stick with it. Right? Come on, somebody. We're going to stick with it, right? We're going to hold on tightly to some things. And I'm not saying we just, it's not, it's not sweeping everything under the rug as if everything that happened is just okay, right? right? It's, it's not that. I still, have some bound, I still have my boundaries. I still have that. But it's just that I, I'm getting in the fight with you. We're, we're in this together. We're not in the, like, it's not you and I, like, separate. We're in this thing together, yeah. right? So how do we live with relationships without regrets? We set a God-first priority. We invest in relationships. Here's the third one. We need to start now. Everybody say now. Now. There's no better time than now, y'all. Come on. Y'all sound good, by the way. (laughs) 
First John chapter three eighteen. It says, "Dear children, let us love with uh, let us love with words or speech." I'm reading this wrong. Y'all didn't correct me. <laughs> let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Right. So it can't be just words. We got to begin to do. It's got to be in our actions, and it's got to come from a heart. It's got to be true. So no matter what the relational status we're in now, there's something that we can do now to begin to bring change. No matter the devastation that we feel in our relationships, no matter the loneliness we might feel in a relationship or loneliness we feel not in a relationship, there's something I can do right now to begin to bring change, to begin to usher in the presence of God into my relationships. Everybody say now. See, our spiritual enemy, he would love nothing more for us to be inspired and encouraged and built up right here while we're in this moment and then walk out to the car and not do anything about it. He loves that. He loves that. Because what we've heard then is just only became just for us. We've got to begin to do. We've got to begin to be people of action. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, it says, Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. There's our new direction. As if God is saying, he's like, hey, you got this stuff in the past, but you actually can't set the new direction without him. He's saying, I'm doing this new thing as if he's doing it in us. So we can't even do it in ourselves. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in us to do this new thing. Just like when we were saved, right? It just took that one step to say, God, I need you in my life. God, be my Savior and Lord. We didn't do anything but say some words, right? What does it say? Scripture says that when we come into Christ, old things are gone. All things are made new. So he does this miracle inside of us. And we say, God, I'm setting out on this new direction. I'm I'm forgetting the former things. Help me to move ahead. God says, I begin to do new things inside of you. I'm doing a new thing. He says, now it springs up, like now. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? As if God can be doing things and we don't see it. So God is doing things all the time. He's doing new things all the time, but we can just miss it. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God is taking places that are dead and bringing them to life. He's saying, in the middle of a desert, I'm going to cause a stream to run. I know it looks like nothing will ever grow here. I know it looks like the sun just beats down into a place of death. But I'm telling you, there's going to be rivers of life flowing out of this place. I know it looks like everything's messed up, but I'm going to restore the ancient ruins. I'm going to build things up that have been destroyed. Like, that's who he is, and that's what he loves to do. That's what he's doing. So how do we start now? There's so many practical filters, so many practical things that we can do to start now. I'm going to give you a few that uh, occur to me, but maybe you'll, you'll experience some this week. You'll have some, and I would love it if you'd get on Facebook or Instagram and just put your practical filter on there. This is what I did. This is what I'm doing now. And tag us in it. I'd love to celebrate with you and hear what you're doing. One of the things that, I, that is a practical filter in this thing, like what can I do right now to start, is when I think something good, say it. When I think something good, say it. Like, why would I want to rob my spouse of the blessing of something good that comes into my mind? Right? When I think something good, I need to say it. Right? It doesn't have to be like the greatest love poem ever written. It can just be something good. I don't, Pastor, I just, this is good for me. I don't even have to do this one because I can't ever think of anything good to say about them. Right? Like, listen, there's always something good. Always something good. And that might be good enough for people who are living in relationships with regrets. But listen, we're learning 
to follow Jesus. We're learning to take another step in this new direction. So we're learning to live without regrets in our relationships, right? So on this new direction, it's like we got to find something good. It can be like, hey, your shoes match your outfit. That's good. And that's okay, right? Hey, thanks for helping me fold the laundry. That's a good thing to say. Say it when we think something good. One way that I like to do this is by saying the words, I love you because, and then change the ending every time. I love you because you've always been faithful to me. I love you because even when I mess up, you always encourage me and lift me up. I love you because you're such a good mom to our kids. I love you because, change the ending every time. I'm telling you, it'll make your date nights go from here to here. It's good. It's going to bring strength to your relationships. Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 3 says, But encourage one another when you feel like it, when you think they deserve it. Y'all got to learn to correct me. Come on now. You know, it says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So now, it's called today now. So while it's happening today, we need to encourage each other daily so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you don't want the trickery, the deceitfulness, the slyness of sin to slip into your marriage, to slip into your relationships, we need to encourage each other daily to build each other up now. Well, now, when I think something good, I'm going to say it. Here's another one. When I, uh, when I think something special, do it. When I think something special, I'm going to do it. Anytime, every time, it is the right time to do something special for your spouse, right? James chapter 14 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Right? I know, I know that. Even you're saying, Pastor, that's a stretch to marriage. Even if we loosely apply that scripture to marriage, man, it's just convicting. If I think something special I can do for my wife and I don't do it, like, that's a problem. Like, I gotta be, like, when we think something special, like, do it. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, it doesn't have to be expensive. Right? It doesn't, you don't have to go out and buy you know, uh, you know, a chocolate diamond bracelet every time you think something special. No, it can be something small. Like if you are the first one to get home, unload the dishwasher. That's good. If you got kids, be like, baby, you sit down, put those feet up. I'm going to give the dirty kids a bath tonight because they smell it. And then I'm going to put them to bed. Like that's a very romantic thing to do. And everybody with kids said, amen. Right? It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Like, I mean, buy a card. I'm, Pastor, we're on the Dave Ramsey death snowball right now. We don't have money for a card. Okay, get a piece of paper from the printer that you already own in a pen and start writing little notes. Tear them off that piece of paper and put it under her pillow. Right? And then put, it, put one in her purse. And then put one under her toothpaste. And then put one behind her hairbrush. And so every time she goes somewhere, she's going to be getting showered by love with you. And she ain't going to need to find love in somebody else. And some other dude at work comes up and tries to flirt with her. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm just saying. Every time I think something special, I'm going to do it, right? Here's the third filter. When you want something different, be it. All right, so what we have to be careful of is that when we leave this place and we're excited and encouraged and all that kind of stuff, and we get in the car and you're like, mm-hmm, you haven't even said how good I look yet. <laughs> you missed the whole point then, right? Like, so when we want something different, be it. So don't be the last one to say something special. You be the first one. Like if you're going to argue, we're going to argue about who gets to say it first. Right? Like, like, 
be, be the thing. Like, don't wait for the other person to, if, if they could just be, you know, more spiritual, then I could be closer to God. If they would just pray better at dinner, then I could know Jesus better. Like, no, stop waiting for the other person to do something. For, like, you do it first, and, and then you'll see what happens when they begin to fall. Same thing for all my single people. I got you too. Like, we say we want somebody who knows God and follows God, like, then you be it. Become the thing you're wanting in your spouse. But so often what we do is we do the opposite. I keep going the same direction. I keep praying, God, bring me a Christian, Christian par, uh, a spouse. Bring me a, a Christian person to be with. But we're looking in all the wrong places, living all the wrong ways, doing all the wrong things, expecting God to do something. I heard a story about uh, a young lady. She's a, a Christian girl, and she uh, was, grew up in church and in the youth group and singing the songs and lift her hands. And then she went to college and she began to just slowly go to more parties and get more involved in that lifestyle. Before long, she wasn't going to church at all, wasn't reading her Bible, but she was drinking and doing all that kind of party lifestyle and everything that goes along with it. And whoever would uh, you know, take her out, she'd go with, out with whoever, all the wrong people in all the wrong places. And one day she's in class and she meets this amazing Christian guy. And there she is. She, she's so excited. And he's t- talking to her about Jesus and what God spoke to him that day and inviting her to church and all this kind of stuff. She gets home, calls her mom, telling her mom all about this wonderful guy and how God has you know, brought, brought him into her life. And mom just listens. And then as soon as she's done talking about it, she says, honey, if he's really all those things you're talking about, he's not looking for a girl like you. It hurts, but it's just loving and truthful, right? Sometimes we're so like inward focused and we think that that once that person comes along that then I'll just be able to be better be, because they're good and they'll pull me up. And it doesn't work that way because someone who's really seeking God and in church and serving people and knows how to worship and knows how to pray, I guarantee you they have you know, some guidelines of who they're looking for and, if, and it's, it's going to be the person who's going that same direction as them. I don't say that to make anybody feel bad or like, but like today's a day for a new direction. So if that's a desire of your heart, like get on a path towards that. My pastor uh, growing up always taught us this way. He said, you know, because we used to ask him, when am I going to meet that one? When am I going to meet the one, right? It wouldn't be nice to know the answer to that question. He would always answer us with this analogy. He said, hey, um, you know, we're, God, God is here at the top and we're on a journey, right? You're on a journey going this way. And the, the one that God has for you is on a journey going the other way, going this direction, right? And there will come a point where those two lines come together. And it will be the point at which both of you are drawing nearer to God, Amen. right? God is the center of that union. So if you want to be in a place where you're in a relationship with someone who knows how to be close to the heart of God and hear from God and be led by the Spirit, guess what? You need to be those things. You need to be on a, on a trajectory learning how to cross that person's path. Otherwise, if you do, you'll miss that opportunity. All right? That's good. Come on, somebody. Here's the fourth thing. If we're going to live without regrets in our relationships, we need to keep no record of wrong. Maybe the toughest one of the day. Keeping no record of wrong like zero, zip, nada, zilch, none. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love chapter. Talking about love in verse 5. It says, love does not dishonor others. It it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs, right? 
as I thought about that this week, I thought about, um, you know, with, with a whiteboard. And what so often we do is when, you know, somebody comes. I'm left-handed. i got to switch mics. Sorry. What happens so often is when somebody says something to us, what do we do? We start keeping score. Oh, can you believe what they said to me? They didn't even tell me how good I look today. I even ironed my clothes. And how dare they? <sighs> they didn't even, they didn't, you know, I even, I made them lunch. They didn't say thank you. They didn't even recognize that little note that I left them. And we just start tallying everything up. And then our boss looks at us funny. (laughs) Doesn't he know Jesus is with me? (laughs) And we start keeping a tally. And some of us don't even use these cool little dry erase markers. Some of us use a Sharpie, right? So that it's in there forever. Like, I know what you did. Right? And we keep a tally, but I think what God is not, doesn't want us to be marker holders. God wants us to be eraser holders. So that instead of like reaching for that marker every time somebody does something that looks at us funny or insults us or lies about us or does something maliciously harmful to us to try to take us out or whatever. Wipe that slate clean. Right? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He had the right to keep tally of ours, of all the wrongs that we've ever done, right? And he came along and he cleaned everything up. Right? We've got to learn to pick up the eraser and put the marker down. Keep that clean. Like, just every morning, just like clean ourselves before him. Like, God, I forgive that person. And every morning is good, but what about right in the moment of it? Right? There's power of it in that moment. Think about Jesus on the cross. While people were spitting in his face and crucifying him, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they did. He didn't say, God, would you just smite them? (laughs) If anybody had the right to, earned the right to do that, it was him. But he said, no, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like God wants us to be erasing those things and getting rid of the markers, right? If we're going to live with relationships without regrets, it's going to be getting rid of those records of wrongs. And listen, we have the right. We have the right to hold on to it. We have the right to remind the person how they hurt us and all those things. But listen, you can do it, but I'm just saying, like, your relationships are always going to be a struggle. They're going to be full of regrets. If we want to live in relationships without regrets can't keep a record of wrongs lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 says this because of the lord's great love we're not consumed one translation says because of the lord's great mercies we're not consumed for his compassions never fail they're new every morning great is your faithfulness he's just reminding us that god has fresh mercy for us every morning every morning god is wiping the board clean Everything's clean. Every morning there's fresh mercy. He never runs out. His compassions never fail, right? I love it. It's so good to know. And I love this next part. He goes on, right? He goes on. He says, I say to myself. These are powerful words. I say to myself. There's power there. He's he's like, it's like he's having to literally remind himself. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I'll wait for him. So he's combining that the Lord is new mercies and compassions for us every day with the thought, Lord, this is how you're my portion. 
This is how you're there for me because every day you wash me clean. You make me new. You're making new things and you never fail me in this way, Lord. So I have to remind myself of this. I say to myself, Lord, you are my portion. Your mercies are enough for me. Lord, thank you. Like some of us need, just need to do that just every morning, get in front of the mirror and say some things to yourself. We've been saying some things to ourselves, but it's the things that everybody else says. We need to begin to say to ourselves what the Lord says. Lord, you are my portion. Some of you just need to get in front of the mirror and remind yourself in the morning how valuable you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Right? Maybe before you even brush your teeth, you are so good looking. You are made in the image of God. Right? We need to begin to say some things to ourselves. Remind us ourselves of the faithfulness of God, of the mercies of God, because we'll never have to forgive someone more than Jesus forgave us. So why don't we just, if we just start in that place where we, God, you are my portion. Therefore, I don't have to hold on to things because you, you forgave me. I freely forgive others. So why don't we just do this right now, right where we are. Some of us are sitting with your spouse. Just grab their hand. If you're here by yourself today, just begin to, uh, to pray and talk to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place, Lord God. 